This episode of A Yank on the Footy is dedicated to the memory of Nicole Duncan, the football administration manager for the Brisbane Lions who passed away on Saturday. Valet Nicole, you will be missed by the entire organization, and I pass along my condolences to your family, your friends, and to the entire football family in Queensland. Now in year number six, it's a Yank on the Footy with Craig Wessels. Everybody sit back and enjoy a chat about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I do hope you'll share it with your friends and family. Cheers! Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 299 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels coming to you from Sandusky, Ohio. Snowy, breezy, cold, nasty, yucky Sandusky, Ohio. But I'm glad you're listening. Thanks for giving this podcast episode a listen. I am jumping into my previews for 2024, and this is the second one that I am going to be sitting down to do. Uh, sat down to the Port Adelaide one the other day. I am sitting down with Dom Fay of the Roar Deal podcast and also from the Zach and Dom show on KIIS 1065 in Brisbane. And Dom is going to help me preview the Lions for 2024. Now, don't forget, folks, if you're interested in getting your local footy club a shout out during an upcoming episode, drop me uh, the information about your club. Uh, right now, I'm I'm doing my own search for those, but I'd, I'd love to give your club a shout out if you want to let me know uh, who I should give a shout out to. Uh, you can find me over at my website, yankonthefooty.com. You can leave a review there if you love the podcast. You can find me on YouTube, search out my name, Craig Wessels, and you'll find the Yank on the Footy podcast over there. Subscribe to it there. You can find me at yank underscore on on Twitter, yank on the footy podcast on Facebook, yank on the footy on Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, don't forget, July 2024, I am coming to Australia come hell or high water, okay? I'm hoping to meet up with as many people as I possibly can, get to as much footy as I possibly can from the AFL down to the local local clubs. I want to see footy at the grassroots levels because I've said for several years on this podcast that those grassroots clubs are the ones that's the hub around which all those communities rotate, and I want to see that in action. I want to see how those those communities those families if you will come together to celebrate this wonderful game to celebrate netball and all of the other activities that they do with these with these different organizations okay so if you want to help out with that you can certainly go to my website yankonthefooty.com check out my store page the red bubble page up at the top or click on the buy me a coffee button there and you could you want to chip in a couple bucks to help make that trip happen and uh, defer some of the costs, I would certainly appreciate it. That would be absolutely awesome. You don't have to, but I would certainly, certainly appreciate it if you'd want to do that. Now, today's club of the episode, they are the main Tigers of the Queensland Football Association. The club was founded back in 1924, so I believe this is actually technically year 101, so they celebrated their 100th anniversary last year. Uh, the club's preseason is back in session on their home deck, the and O'Gara Memorial Park, and I probably butchered the name of that, and I apologize for that. They did resurface or uh, refurbish the turf this year, so they're back out there training on their home ground, getting ready for 2024. Club brought back a lot of players from last year, including one that had what I think is one of the more unique nicknames that I have run across in uh, in sport. Um, young man by the name of Mitch Bruce, who they, according to their Facebook page, they call him the barometer. 
Now, I don't think this has anything to do with his humidity. Maybe it has to do with how much pressure he puts on people. Maybe he's a great defender. Could be. Is he a key defender? I don't know this young man. Um, but I think it's kind of like, you know, the guy that kind of holds things together. It, it reminds me of the uh, the New York Met baseball player from the 1980s, Daryl Strawberry. They called him the straw that stirred the drink that was the New York Met. So I think it's a great nickname. Um, I'm guessing, like I said, that this, you know, might be why that nickname came about. Now, the uh, the club's Division One reserve side enters 2024 as the reigning premieres of the QAFL. And uh, there are a few notable uh, Tigers, who's, including uh, Jason Ackermanis, who played with the Bears, the Lions, as well as Foots, Footscray and the Western Bulldogs. Richard Champion, who was with the Bears and the Lions. Mick Nolan, who was with the North Melbourne Kangaroos, and then Steven Richardson, who played with Essendon. So, Tigers, I wish you the absolute best this year. I hope you have a phenomenal year. And if somebody could let me know how Mr. Nolan, excuse, yeah, how Mr. Bruce, excuse me, earned the nickname The Barometer, I'd love to hear that story. I think it's a great nickname. So let's go ahead and jump into my chat with Dom Fay. All right? All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am absolutely thrilled to be joined by Dom Faye from the Roar Deal podcast uh, to help preview his beloved Brisbane Lions for 2024 after a heartbreaking 2023. Dom, how are you doing, sir? Well, Craig, I'm I'm not too bad. I am uh, currently speaking to you from the US. I am in Los Angeles at the moment. Uh, I sort of went on the run after the grand final defeat. I needed to go away and clear the air and, you know, find myself over on the other side of the world. So, uh, but it's been, what, uh, three or four months now since that day in September and uh, and I'm ready and raring to go for a new season now. So did you actually leave fairly soon after the grand final and just <laughs> get the heck out of there? Or has it been just, you know? No, no. Okay. Look, uh, I threw myself into work for a few weeks, uh, for a few months actually, and then um, when it was coming up to the end of the year, I thought, well, because part of the, the dilemma with me um Craig is that I actually turned 30 on grand final day. It was my birthday on grand ah, final day. So okay. I turned 30 on September the 30th and the Lions were in the grand final. And I was there wow. doing a, a bunch of events for the raw deal podcast with our listeners. And uh -huh. it was a, it, it was an extraordinary few days, probably the two or three most extraordinary few days I've ever lived just up until the, uh, the last few minutes of the game. And, right, and right. from that point onwards, I've just tried to forget it all and, uh, and move on. And, and I thought a good overseas trip would help, uh, be a, pa a palate cleanser heading into the new year. There you go. And it's, you know, how did you and, uh, Michael Whiting come together to put this show out? How, how did that, how did that marriage, if you will, come about? Well, it's one of the weirdest stories I actually have in my life. So, so much that we do, I think as humans, there's a bit of a plan and a, uh, you can see how we got from here to here, but this one is bizarre. So I grew up with a couple of great loves, probably the loves I have today, and, and that is comedy and media. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I've got a bit of an interest in philosophy and the meaning of life. And then the other one is is AFL. And so a lot of the, those are my three big loves and, and a lot of the, the people I admired growing up were the best sports journalists and commentators. And so I had this passion, this desire to work in, in sports media and footy media, or not even to work in it, just to be around it, to, right, right. to soak it up a little bit. And, uh, and I was in my second year out of high school, I was uh, umpiring and coaching for my old high school for their junior cricket teams. Okay. So I'd go to cricket matches and I'd, I'd coach the team and then I'd stand there umpiring as well in the games. 
And um, and I was out at a place called Sheldon College, which is about 30 minutes um, east of Brisbane. And I'm, I'm umpiring a cricket match this day, uh, a year seven cricket match. And I've got my Brisbane Lions cap on. Um, just you need a hat, you're in the sun and it's summer. Right, right. And while I'm there umpiring, um, someone who is the photographer for the school, I think, walks past and it's a slow game. So he gets chatting with me and he says, so you're a Lions fan? And I said, yeah, yeah, love the Lions. And he said, my best mate writes about the Lions. And I said, who's that? And he said, Michael Whiting. And I said, I love Mike Whiting's work. Mm-hmm. And Mike had only been in the job, I think, for about a year at that point. He was pretty fresh, but he was already the the best voice on footy in Queensland as he's been for, for some time now. And anyway, the guy said, well, give me your number and uh, I'll put you in touch with Mike and he can tell you about working in footy media. And um, we met at a cafe called Denim Co. in, in South Bank a, a few weeks after that. And Mike kindly agreed. And um, and we spent the next year sort of catching up every couple of months, maybe talking about footy. I'd love to pick his brain. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if there's much of a brain in, in me to pick, but we just <laughs> had a good conversation anyway. And um and then uh about a year after that in 2013, I was doing a bit of radio and and I said to him, I said, Have you ever thought about a podcast? I reckon you and I'd be a good podcast. And we launched it with the club, we pitched it at the club, and they brought us on board to do the the fan cast in 2013. And wow. Um then we did it for a show for the ABC in 2014. And then um I did another thing for the Lions in 2016 separately to Mike. It's a sore point. We don't bring it up too much. Okay. Um and then and then uh and then um come 2017, uh the new Lions media manager at the time, Anthony Allsop, reached out to me and said, I hear you used to be a podcast, you and Mike Whiting. Would you be up for for going around again for having another shot? And um the raw deal was was birthed from there. We did it for the club for five years and then Started 2023, we're now on our own, and um, and yeah, so coming up to a decade now with Mike and I, okay. podcasting together, and it's been it's been a it's been the longest relationship I've ever had in one form or another. Well, there you go. <laughs> now I I have to ask a question here about your coaching and umpiring cricket, though. But uh, while you <laughs> sure. were while you were coaching and you were umpiring, I'm I'm going to assume that none <laughs> of none of your batsmen ever got called for an LBW. <laughs> well, is, is that it's a good question. The two, <laughs> the, the, the two quantifying factors I'll throw in there. One is that it was year seven cricket, and so the standard wasn't incredibly high okay. um, yet. And the second <laughs> thing is to say that um, you have two umpires in cricket. You've got the one who is the officiating umpire, right. um, who, who calls the LBWs and whatever. Right. And then you have the umpire at fine leg who sort of stands square right. on with Off the, to the side, the looking at the strike. line. Yep. Um, yeah, off to the side. So that day we were sort of the other umpire and I were were um taking it in turns doing like 10 overs each. Yeah. Um yeah. officiating 10 overs each sort of to the side at, at fine leg. And so I wasn't really doing a lot as I got in this conversation. <laughs> but um yeah, it probably wasn't the most professional moment of my of my life. But hey, it's worked out pretty well a decade on. Yeah, I I think he got back. Yeah, the, that bat was down. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's. Uh, yeah, that was I. You no, know, yeah, yeah. He's he's not out. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, let's. Yeah, so well, um, well that ends well. Yeah, exactly. So, as you said, you know, the, the of course the sting of it being your thirtieth birthday, and you know, dropping the grand final by less than a goal. Um, you know, I, you you know you you have dealt with that by doing a little bit of traveling and, 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 and which is, I think a great way to do it. It's kind of, you know, I, I, 
I'm a Cleveland sports fan, so I've had a lifetime of 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 sports, you know, disappointment uh, in in my life. So you know, as a Cat supporter, I was absolutely thrilled uh, to have you know the club win a premiership back in 2022. So, and I was I was a little mm. sad. My the the player that turned me into a Cat supporter just retired from the Lions this past year, and I've got his little button right there, Nakaya Cockatoo, absolutely. Oh, really? Yeah, he is. He's the player that turned me into a cat supporter. Wow. Yeah. Well, he is the he is. I can tell you, I've, I've met um him him a couple of times in my oh. journeys, and he's one of the loveliest human beings. Yeah. You, you could possibly hope to meet just the gentlest, loveliest, mm-hmm. kindest guy. So, um, yeah, it is very sad. One of those players whose whose body has sort of prevented him from ever fully reaching his right, potential. Right. But um, but a lovely, yeah. lovely guy. Yeah. He, and he's he's playing up in the Northern Territory right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, you've got, you've got, you know, kind of the two big addition. Well, and one's not really an addition per se, but you know, you've got one addition and one first-year player coming back off of significant knee injuries that are gonna, you know, that are likely to be big contributors to this side in in twenty twenty-four, and you know, in uh, in Will Ashcroft and Tom Duday, and and you know, I. Tom Duday, I don't know if you do a lot with the NFL on your show at all, but he is a massive NFL fan. So if, if you okay, get the opportunity right. to talk to him about the NFL, he is a he's a huge movie buff and a huge NFL fan because he posts a lot of things right. on on Twitter about about those those two different subjects there. So, um, huh. how soon do, are we going to see Will Ashcroft back out there? So the latest I heard is that uh, he's pushing for about round eight. So okay. what's that, May? I think early May that he thinks he'll be back. And, and Tom Duda, I think, might be a little bit later than that. I might have been the wrong, wrong way around. But either way, they'll both be back by around the bye or early after the bye. Okay. So, so middle of the year, um, you know, middle third of the year that they'll both return. Um, and that'll obviously be uh, enormous. I mean, Will, it's... You could use. I've run out of ways to describe his first season oh. up until that injury, that that horrendous day, and I can still remember the the sort of hush that came over the Gabba as we, you know, initially I actually remember from where I was sitting, we could see someone had gone down and was clutching their knee, and mm-hmm. the moment you see that, you know this isn't great. But we, right, I couldn't right. figure out who it was. So I think I first thought it was Jared Berry, and then I thought it might have been Lockie Neal, and. And then my dad said, no, no, I saw the eight. It's, it's Will. And we all just, like, it's oh, just such crap. a cruel way to win such an incredible year. You yes, know? Yes. Um, and we could have used him so much on grand final day. Mm-hmm. His, his two-way running would have been such a, a gift for us there. It is one of the weird silver linings about losing the grand final. I didn't, I, I mean this quite sincerely. It might sound odd, but, um, but there is a part of, us, of me as a, a diehard fan. It would have felt sad for Will to miss out on a flag. Um, and so to, to, to imagine going again and him being a part of it is a pretty wonderful story, but having him back is going to be, is going to be enormous. Um, and yeah, Tom Duday is a, a fascinating one. It's a classic, uh, Dom Ambrosio pickup. I think our list manager, mm-hmm. he's, he's had a wonderful knack in recent years. There's always every year when you go into the trade and free agency period, there's generally a few big, big names heading into that that period. Right. And rarely are those the ones that that Dom goes for. Joe Danoher maybe being the one exception. Right, right. But generally it's the next rung down players, players who are close to stepping into superstardom but mm-hmm. haven't fully done it. They're a little bit off the radar, a little bit off Broadway. This was Charlie Cameron. This was Lockie Neal. This, to an extent, was Josh Dunkley. 
they aren't the the biggest names in the competition, but they're that next rung down. He brings them in and they just they slot in and um obviously we lost Marcus Adams to an early retirement after his concussion issues. Right, so right. we have this this need for a bit of extra help in defense. And um yeah, I think Tom Duda is gonna be a massive pickup for us. So those two uh, are going to help us a lot. And then we have Will's younger brother, Levi Ashcroft, who will look to draft later this year, who looks like another early pick. So the Ashcroft name will continue with a bit more draft excitement. But there, um, there you go. Yeah, that's certainly going to help. So, you know, I, I actually put a sticker up on my Redbubble page last year and I reversed the image of Lockie Neal um, having, you know, won the Brownlow the previous year. Uh, and it, you know, it said, you know, congrats, you know, congratulations on lock. This is before he won again, but congratulations on Lockie Neal winning his, his second consecutive Brownlow and a little asterisk actual results may vary. Uh, <laughs> so it should, you know, it, can we, can we say, should he have a, a third one? Should this have been his third, you know, should Crips have been suspended? Are we allowed to have Ooh. that discussion? I mean, it's it's okay. You're 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 oh yeah, we are. Brisbane okay. podcast. I mean, you're, you're allowed to do that. Look, my one of my best mates, Jim, is a diehard Carlton fan, and we have hashed this out at the pub many times, Jim and I. So I'm uh-huh. happy to jump into it here as well. <laughs> um, I I remember that day really vividly. Actually, I had uh, this was 2022. The Lions played Carlton, and um, I had COVID that that week and so I was this is still when Australia was doing the mandatory isolation so I was stuck at home with COVID so I missed mm-hmm. going to the game that day and I had the game on the, the TV and I still remember um Cripps hit on on Cal Archie which to memory sort of wiped Cal out until the finals just about or just I think before so, the yeah. finals. Yeah. Um yeah. but it, honestly it's my memory of that case is that Cripps didn't really necessarily get off as, as and he was found innocent. Mm-hmm. It was more that there was a technicality about the way he'd been charged that was disproven. And so he gets off on a technicality. Right, right. And um and then goes on to win the 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 Brownlow medal as a result. So it is certainly, I mean, to be honest, it's not something as a fan I've lost a lot of sleep about in the way, in the same way you lose sleep over um the heartbreaking losses you have in big games. But right, right. Um I actually have a, a bit of a, a speculative theory that um, as great a year as Lockie had in 2023, that he might have got a little bit of a, a couple of favourable votes as a result of the umpires almost feeling bad for what happened in 2022. Because, so, if, I, because if I'm not mistaken, he was not on the All-Australian team, was he? he, well, he then that was a mistake. He certainly should have been All-Australian. Yeah, Brisbane, yeah. Brisbane players get overlooked, all, interstate players. Um, get overlooked all the time for for that. So that wasn't a big surprise, sadly. I think but, that's, that's a fair um, statement. Having watched Lockie uh, every year since he got to the Lions, I would put his 2023 season as probably his third, fourth best mm-hmm. season he had he's out at the club. So I think 2020 was quite clearly his best season where he did win the Brownlow. He, he had an outstanding year. Then I'd put 2022 in as his second best year, um, you know, where he was he was extraordinary and should have, as I said, he would have been a worthy Brownlow winner that year um, if Cripps didn't have that incident. But I actually wonder whether his 2019 season, his first year at the Lions, was stronger uh-huh. than his 2023 just marginally. So yeah. at any rate, you know, Lockie Neal yeah. is a worthy winner of the Brownlow any day of the week. But, um, absolutely, but absolutely. Yeah, certainly, certainly adds a little bit of... Um, heat to the Brisbane Carlton matchup for another decade or so. That's true. And you open up with them this year. 
Yes, we do. Yeah. So yes, at home. Uh, so touch under two months away. Um, uh-huh. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be a massive, massive one. I mean, it was massive at the preliminary final where we got to say, oh my gosh, I, I remember this so vividly that we kind of went into that game heavy favourites. The Lions, Carlton were surprise winners through, obviously, and when they got up by five or six goals in that first quarter, there was such a sense of doom around mm-hmm. the around the Lions supporter base of of what was unfolding in front of us. So that there's a lot going on between Brisbane and Carlton. You throw the Michael Voss thing in there as well. The Lions favorite of a yeah. son coaching Carlton. There's a, there's a lot to, to look forward to. And that's going to be a pretty awesome way to, uh, to kick off the season. Well, uh, you know, for those folks who may not have heard this story before, I, I, you know, I, I came to the game so late in life that I, I don't have in my DNA that I hate club X or club Y because of, you know, I'm supposed to, but yeah. I kind of have a, a soft spot for not being a big Carlton supporter only because they could, they couldn't, when they hired Michael Voss, they couldn't have waited until after the grand final. I'm a little PO'd about yeah. that because I was actually supposed to be on the sporting capital that day on the radio. <laughs> and yeah. I was up at like 4 a.m. to be on the radio. And they hired Michael Voss the Thursday before the grand final. So I had an email that said, Hey, well, we're going to be talking about Michael Voss. I'm thinking, Jesus, they couldn't have waited until Monday to hire him. Early. I got up early and made coffee and, and yeah, well, <laughs> still haven't been there yet. So I'm, ass- I'm assuming that, that you're expecting at least a top four finish again this year. And likely a repeat trip to the grand final um expecting is an interesting word i mean footy is so bizarre in Mm -hmm. in it's so hard to read things too far in advance i even the every year of the last few years maybe it's because my first decade as a diehard fan the lions made the finals once in that run and it was the very first year of it um Mm -hmm. in 2009 and then they were just awful for a decade but every year it still takes until we've won enough games to qualify for the eight that I become confident we're going to make finals uh-huh. because things can just shift and change so quickly. Um, what what I will say is that I think it's going, my prediction is it's going to go one of two ways. Um, I think we, one option, this is the worst case scenario is we are a bit flat after the heartbreak of the grand final and we slip to the bottom part of the eight and possibly even on the fringes of the eight that that has happened to teams before. I really hope it isn't our story, but uh-huh. we won't know until it happens. If that doesn't happen, I think we're going to see the year that Brisbane has threatened to have um, probably for a few years now where, where we will be the dominant team of the competition. It's, it's interesting. We've been top four for what is it? Five years in a row mm-hmm. now uh, at the end Something of the, like the yeah, yeah. season. I oh, know there's, 2022, sorry, we finished fifth, but up up and around there. But we've never been the standout best team of the comp in any of those years in terms of minor premiers and right, right. Um, the ominous team all season long. Like it's always been Richmond or the Demons or something like that. Uh, Geelong in one instance, Collingwood last year. So I, I think if we are in the top four, I think we we will be, this will be the year that we're the dominant team and mm-hmm. um, we will drop very few games and, and go on. I, I have a sense and it's, I am an optimist, but I have a sense we might go on and win quite a comfortable grand final that, that this might be, because actually I'll say this, I'll go on. This is a bit of a tangent. Is a tangent okay? Have we got time I, for it, a quick it, tangent? It never happens on this podcast, but just this once. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I'll, I'll say this. So when Chris Fagan joined the Lions at the end of 2016, one of his lines he would say often was growth isn't linear. So he said, I don't know how we're going to track, right? We might go forward three steps, back four steps, up one step, back six steps, uh -huh. four to eight steps, whatever, that that it's a bumpy ride. And, and we've seen this so much in, in footy. You look at the demons who slowly build into finals and then drop off the map for a few years and then bounce back with a flag. Yeah. Richmond had these years where they sort of, you know, finals, 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 and then awful, and then premiership. So there's this bumpy ride to the top often. But bizarrely, after Chris Fagan has said that comment, the Lions' rise almost has been linear, almost exactly. So his first year, we were a little bit better. The next year, we're a little bit better than that. The next year, we make finals. The next year, we win a final. 2021 was a little bit different, but we, we just made it into the top four that year. Then 2022, we win two finals and, and make the prelim. 2023, we win uh, two finals and make the grand final. And so there is this thing where actually our progression under Chris Fagan year on year has been almost exactly linear. Right, and if right. that pattern continues, then I uh, and I think it will, then my, my sense is, my hopeful sense is this will be the year that... Um, that Brisbane uh, go through to, to win quite a comfortable grand final. And I really hope it's against the demons because yeah. gosh, I'd love to beat them in a grand final. <laughs> there you go. Well, or, but you'd, you'd be okay if it was Collingwood that you knocked off. Yeah, it would be. I mean, I don't, this <laughs> might be a controversial thing to say. I don't have the hatred of Collingwood that a yeah. lot of um, footy fans do. And part of it is obviously Craig McRae, their coach being a, a former Lions legend. Right. Right. Um, but there's a uh, the teams I've loathed, loathed the most over the journey have been Richmond. I, I cannot stand Richmond for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, I struggle with Essendon, uh, to be honest. Well, you know, some people um, and, would argue uh, that and, Essendon struggles as well, just on their own. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Um, so, yeah, and, and then generally, you know, Lions fans after 2004, there's a bit of beef with Port Adelaide, I guess. But I, I don't. I don't yet have the hatred of Collingwood, but okay. certainly to beat them in a grand final, it would feel like we'd corrected the ledger a little bit right, after right, last year. But then right. they would say we beat them in 02 and 03, so they have to win another one to correct the ledger. So who knows? But, yeah, yeah no, if I could pick a team to beat in the grand final, it would be the Demons. Okay. So what, you know, you're, you're, you're cautiously optimistic, and I think with good reason because it's, the Lions are a very good club. Okay. They are, it's a very good club. And I think that, you know, there are many clubs in the AFL that would, would say, do you want to trade lists? We'll trade lists with you right now. <laughs> uh, but are there things that you will be looking for that are going to give you that thought? Like, uh Oh, things are not going the way we were expecting. That's a good, that's a really good question. Um, I I think we'll know really early. I think we'll know by round three or four which lines we're going to get in mm -hmm. the year ahead. Um, uh, we're a pretty consistent team. We we don't really have massive peaks and troughs. We have the off the the odd off game, but largely the Lions in the last few years under Chris Fagan, you kind of know bar the two or three maybe aberrations a year, you kind of know what you're going to get. And what you see relatively early in the season is similarly competitive to what you see in the middle part and the latter part. We haven't really had seasons like many clubs do where 
you know, for the first third, we're awful and then we're really good or the other way around or anything like that. So I I think when I go to round one and, and we got smashed, I was down there for it in Adelaide. We got smashed in round one last year by Port Adelaide by 60 odd points, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And so there was some doom casting after that result. So, so I wouldn't, it's not round one that I'll read that much into. I think it will be around Easter Thursday against Collingwood. I think it must be around four, round five, round three, somewhere in that. Right. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. You've uh, got Carlton, Frio, Collingwood, then the Ruse, and then Melbourne. Right. Your first five. So Collingwood in round three. That's the big Easter Thursday clash at the Gabba. Mm-hmm. At the end of that night, I think I'll have a sense what season lies ahead of us. Um, I'd hope we'd be at the end of round three, two wins at least, if not three. If mm-hmm. we're just one win after round three, um, or worst case, you know, haven't got a win, um, I think then I'll I'll go, oh yeah, this this is shaping as a more complex season. And really as Lions fans, we haven't had one of those since 2018. And and so um I'd be worried about how we're gonna handle that. And I hope we don't have to yet. Hopefully that can still be a few years off. Right, right. So it's on paper, this is going to be a successful club this year on paper. So mm. speaking of papers, yes. at the end of the year, when the Lions have played their last game of the year, what is the headline? And I believe the paper is the Courier Mail, correct? Yes, it is. So what's, yes. what's, the, what's the headline in the Courier Mail about the Lions immediately after their final game of the year? Oh, um. One headline could be Fagan's error franked or something along those lines potentially, because I think that's the question, right? Is is Chris Fagan has done one of the most remarkable jobs in recent football history, turning this club around. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've spoken extensively about it, but it is hard to really explain how much of a rabble Brisbane were when he took over uh, as one of the, the few um, remaining weekly attending Lions fans uh, or members at that era, the lowest ebb in 2016, there were questions about whether the club would be folded, merged with the Gold Coast. Is there? Is it possible to have a successful AFL team in, in you know, club in Brisbane? All this stuff came up and it was really dire. And he's taken them from that point to where we've been now uh, to now. However, if he doesn't get a premiership, you know, under his run, then to to an extent, the, the error gets forgotten a little bit. You need that flag to sort of be written into the history books. Um, and so I think that's the question to me is, is or that, that would be the headline that the interest comes down to is, um, does this year become the year that the whole thing gets validated, gets, you know, sort of that that gold stamp of approval that, that it's all worked out? And the other narrative that's worth watching, I mean, a question I get asked um, quite a bit by, uh, by people on Twitter or by by friends who are into footy, is uh, where the improvement could come from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've we've obviously been strong for a few years. So, where is this? There, Tom Duday won't come in till the middle part of the year. Right, Will right. Ashcroft as well, as you mentioned, but we already had him. So, where's the improvement going to come from to give us that extra kick? Now, there's two answers to that. The first is that you don't need that much improvement when you lose a grand final by under a goal. You just need right. the tiniest bit. Right. But the other thing I'd say is there are to me. There are uh, two players who will sum up the Lions' fortunes this year. That these two are the absolute central focus for me as to whether we go and become that dominant team or not. Because I think most of our list is performing at or close to their absolute capacity already. Um, 
you could say maybe Hugh McCluggage could go up another gear or two and become uh-huh. one of the top 10 mids in the right. plays in the comp. But the two I'm really interested in are Zach Bailey and Cam Rayner, who uh-huh. um who are phenomenal players and and both favorites of mine. Listeners to my podcast would know Zach Bailey is a, a personal favorite. I'm a big Zach Bailey fan. Okay. Um but these these two are players who I mean we saw what Zach did in the grand final with those two exceptional goals. Right, right. These two players are I believe capable of being all Australian squad, not squad members, but team members. I, I think yeah. they're capable of being in the the top twenty players in the competition, both of them. And um, and they're not there yet. They're right. they're close-ish, but their performance is a little bit inconsistent at stages. So to me, where the improvement comes from is those two. Um, if they both, if one of them or both of them step up and become all Australian footballers this year, Zach Bailey or Cam Rayner then we'll go a long way to winning the flag. And the headline at the end of the season might be about, you know, Rainer, the new Lion King, something like there that. There you go. There you go. I wrote down, a, I wrote down a different name. And I okay. think I wrote down Eric Hipwood because yeah. coming yeah. back, you know, being back for now a full season removed from his ACL. If he, you know, he if he takes that leap that, that he, he was starting to take before that, and and he takes pressure yeah. off of Danaher and he takes pressure off of Charlie Cameron. I mean, that just, you know, that becomes that Hydra again, that three-headed monster that you've got down there that where's the ball going to go? Yes. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, I think, he, you know, I think he's, he's a huge component of this that, you know, as well, but I agree with you on your other two, but I, now. Yes, also, it's a very good point. Yeah. Is this, is, do you think this is the last, uh, this, this is a swan song for Dane Zorko? Do you think this is likely because he's only oh, signed through this yeah. year? Look, I, I, there was some speculation that last year could have been it for him. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the thing with, with Zork is I think um, he might disagree with this. I, I'm not sure, but I feel like if we'd won the premiership, he might have gone out on that note. Okay. Um, I, I'd be surprised if he played beyond this year. I mean, we've just seen what happened to Daniel Rich, this right. legend of the club over many years who sort of got squeezed out of the team as his, his body did start to slow down a little bit. Um, I don't think that will happen to Zork. Zork's a bit more, I always compare him a bit to Boomer Harvey at North Melbourne, who was able to play, you know, the 400 games I think he got to. And he was able to get there because his body and his way of playing just enabled him to keep on going. He's sort of this this very powerful in the leagues, very short, great endurance runner, these sorts of things, great burst runner. So I, I think Zork has very similar skills and, and probably as a result, I wouldn't be shocked if he found a way to eke out another year or two beyond this one if he really wanted to. Yeah. But um, my best read on things is if I had to give a prediction today, I think we'll win the premiership. And I think uh, I think Dane Zorko will retire on, on that note. Okay. Now, want to talk a little bit about you as well before i've got got a couple of trivia questions i know you've got an appointment coming up here fairly soon here but um have, did you ever read the book moby dick are you familiar with the book moby dick i am vaguely i'm familiar with the famous opening line but that's okay. probably about it well you know you know that that you know that that cap quit the captain's going after his white whale okay yeah so so yeah. as far as as far as your career what is your career white whale what is that thing that you want to get that 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 you haven't achieved yet that that you want sure. to achieve right yet? Um, well, growing up, I mean, it's it's an easy answer to this in a sense, or, or it was an easy answer. My my dream growing up was to do the national drive radio show. So this is the the four to six p.m. drive mm-hmm. home radio slot, and and normally radio stations have a local um, 
show on the breakfast slot. So you'll have the Brisbane breakfast show, the Sydney breakfast show, the Melbourne breakfast show, for example, although there's a bit of networking going on now. Um, but then the afternoon show goes around the country. It's one show around the whole country. Hmm, and growing okay. up, uh, Hamish and Andy did this slot and I was just the biggest fan of Hamish and Andy. I used to listen to them every afternoon after school and that's all I ever wanted to do. And shortly after them, Kate, Tim and Marty were the drive show on Nova and I used to listen to them every day as well. And, and so if you ask, you know, a uh, 14 year old Dom Faye, what his big dream in life is, the answer simply is to do the national drive radio slot. And, um, my co-host, my radio co-host, Zach, and I actually did get a, a shot at doing this for two weeks. We, For the first time in December, we did the fill-in um, drive show. So we did it for two weeks um, leading up to Christmas uh, on the KISS network. And um, to, to come on air and say, Zach and Dom driving you home at the start, you know, out of the song yeah. was like a yeah. bizarre thing, living out my dreams 15 years in the making. So <laughs> I, I guess I would have always said that that was the, that was the big ambition, the big dream. Um mm-hmm. I'm I'm probably less fixated or oriented on exactly one particular dream these days. Okay. I think I'm I'm just following the thread of a whole bunch of different projects and things that that bring me a lot of joy and and uh, make me feel fully alive. And I feel I feel really pretty lucky to be honest that I get to uh, I get to do all sorts of different sorts of work that um that I absolutely love and and that uh that that connect and create um stuff in all sorts of different ways. It's a pretty great setup. And, you know, you said you did some, uh, you know, you, you do some, you know, com- I mean, you do comedy on the radio as well. Cause I was listening to, a li- I've listened to a little bit of that as well, but, uh, um, are you familiar with Mount Rushmore here in the United States? We have this big yes. mountain that yeah. we carved, we carved like four, the heads of four pr- presidents on there. If who sure. would be, who would be your comedians that would go on your uh-huh. median Mount Rushmore? What a great question. What a great question. Um, well, I'll put Hamish and Andy up there, but I'll put them just as one because okay. it's really the duo I'm going to love there. Okay. So Hamish and Andy are sort of half a face each on there. Um, Sean McAuliffe is an Australian comedian who I have absolutely adored growing up. I grew up okay. raised really on, on Sean McAuliffe's comedy, so he'd be one of the faces for sure. Um, the next one is probably the American comic actor Leslie Nielsen. Um, okay, okay. You know, famous from Flying High and uh, or Aeroplane as it is in the U.S., don't call me Shirley. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's him. Um, I talking about um about you know people who formed me and shaped me. I I I think Leslie Nielsen's films would be the the first ones growing up. Okay, where I was watching them, kind of of just in awe at this this ability to to make people laugh. You know, I remember every time I had a friend come over for years, I'd make them watch either Aeroplane Flying High or Wrongfully Accused was another of his that I loved. Right, right. And um and I would get to the best scenes and sort of repeat them and repeat them and just yeah, he he was a master at his craft. Leslie yes, Nielsen. he was. So yeah. it'd be McAuliffe, Leslie Nielsen, Hamish and Andy. And um the fourth one, I need to think a bit more about that. Dawn French, the British comedian, is someone I, I'm I'm I think is is absolutely brilliant. Um, I love Lee Mack, another British comedian. Um, in terms of stand-ups, uh Ross Noble, the British sort of rambling stand-up comedian who who improvises a lot of his act. I would have seen him live more than anybody, any other person I've okay. seen, maybe 20 times I've seen Ross live. So um let's let's chuck Ross Noble up on there as well with the others. Okay. That that would probably give a pretty a you know, pretty and, fair um, summation. And I want to ask you about this because this just this just popped up 
uh, in the news, uh, and I, I saw Kane Corns talking about this, uh, that the, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but the, the AFL has now announced that they're no longer going to be publishing the actual weights of the players because yeah, it's like too that. much for personal information. So I, so I, I wonder, does this mean that, 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 that Brian Taylor, when he's out roaming now, is he basically going to have to become like a Kearney Barker <laughs> that, that has a scale that goes around with him? I think you weigh 79 kilos. Hop on. <laughs> you win a prize. I mean, is that, is, well, I guess, yeah. yeah, I guess, you know, maybe, maybe I, and maybe this is going to probably come off sounding sexist and it's not necessarily intended that way, but I guess I could see them not doing that with AFLW because you're never supposed to ask a woman's weight, but what's the big deal with asking <laughs> publishing how much a guy weighs? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I guess that doesn't make a whole uh, lot of sense to me. Do we just, are we, we going to do that? Get rid of it with boxing also? Well, you know what? It, it, We're not going to check to see how much they weigh. That guy at least, at least, you know, 90 kilos. This guy's about 45. But, you know, that 45-kilo guy, he's got a shot of beating him. Well, I will say, the moment I saw the story come through, I, I think I was scrolling through Twitter, or sorry, through X, as uh-huh. nobody calls it. Um, and uh, I was scrolling through that, uh, and I saw the story initially, someone tweeting about it, and my first thought was, Oh, Kane's gonna go off about this, <laughs> and then moments later into my feed, there's Kane Corns. I reckon he saw that story or found out about that story, and his eyes lit up. He, oh yeah, he knew he had good fodder. Kane's always looking for something to get angry about, and he was set there. I mean, look, I where I think it has, I, I suppose I could see some validity is um, we really have such little understanding of the conditioning programs that football clubs are running. Right, and right. you know our our understanding from the 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 stands is so so minuscule compared to the complexity of building a player's muscle profile of of skin folds of all these sorts of things and yet you know that doesn't stop this is the world we live in that doesn't stop people making rash statements and judgments about um about players so for example i i have seen on social media and on the forums at stages one player could not quite catch the person they're chasing and they looked uh-huh. a little bit gassed afterwards. And then someone would say, oh, well, I did see that he's coming at 88 kilos on the, the profile. He's clearly overweight, you know, and we have no idea what the conditioning for that player is. Oh, absolutely. We have yeah. no idea what the plan is. So I suppose at least removing that part of it maybe removes um, too many personal judgments potentially, but well, it's very small fry. That's a good point. And, and you know, and you know, talking about a player that you just mentioned that retired, you know, Daniel Rich always looked, you know, he looked a little thicker than every other player that was out there. And I'm sure he's in fantastic, you know, to the, even to this day, now that he's not playing, is in fantastic shape. And anybody his age would trade places in terms of being in, in the <laughs> physical condition that he's in. But he always did look a little stockier, if you will, than than a lot of his opponents that he was facing up against. Right, and it's an interesting point because body types are so so interesting. Another interesting one you mentioned, Eric Hipwood earlier. Um, there's been a percentage of the Lions fan base for years who who keep hoping or expecting that Eric Hipwood's going to suddenly bulk up and become Lance Franklin, and uh-huh. that his his arms are going to beef up that much. And it's just not his body profile type. And and so there's there's got to be. I mean, one of the best things about Aussie rules as a sport. One of the things I love the most about it is it's really one of very few sports in the world that any body type, you know, really um, shorts, tall, uh, muscly, very thin, 
like really you can be any profile and find right. a position in right. in this sport and that's like there aren't too many sports that can have a, a you know nimble quick uh small charlie cameron and also have like a hulking big tom hawkins you know yeah that's a that's an unusual sport so i just think i think part of the issue is um humans aren't great at things not going their way uh generally and um and you know i, I kind of feel like people aren't very good at handling when when their team loses when a bad result occurs they're always trying to find a scapegoat a reason and um you know and the reality is we are operating off such limited information right, inside right. those clubs the the fitness gurus the specialists the all that stuff is so down down to the, the milligram of diet plans and things like that exactly. and we're just exposed to none of that and making all these big projections from the the, the boundary line and i just think that's a, a recipe for ignorance <laughs> yeah, that's certainly fair that's certainly fair now before before we go are you ready for a little bit of lions trivia yes jump in let's do okay. it okay I've got a few questions here for you. Some of them are current. Some of them are looking at some historical things as well. Um, okay. I'm a bit so, worried, to be honest. My credentials are on the line here. That's okay. That's okay. Um, <laughs> so these four players, and each one of them played at least 18 games, averaged more than 22 disposals a game last year for the Lions. These four players. Okay. You're going to get this one. Well, Lockie Neal, obviously. Uh, yeah. That goes without saying. Um, average 22 or more. There were four of them. Mm -hmm. Well, my inkling is that, um, that Josh Dunkley would have to be on the yes. list as well. Yes. Um, now would Hugh have averaged more than 22? Well, if Hugh didn't, Hugh has to be the next one. He is. He's so number two on the crazy. list. Yep. Now the, the 18 games uh, is the 18 games is a hint. Yeah. I was thinking will. Yep. It's got to be Will, doesn't it? It's Will Ashcroft. Yeah. Yep. I, I, Will had a couple of down games, um, uh -huh. which is very normal in a first year. I mean, down by his incredibly lofty standards. So I wasn't quite sure if he would have averaged over that. But but yeah, there we go. Those four. Pretty good midfield. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. Yeah. So this player who played 24 games last year averaged over 10 and a half one percenters per game which I love that statistic. I love the one percenters, exactly. the whole, the whole concept of it. It, you know, in, in a lot of other sports, you could just call it like doing the right thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, look, my inkling is it's going to be a defender and it's probably going to be Harris Andrews. It is. Um, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. So you're two for two so far now. That's not bad. Which lion is very likely to be kicking his 300th goal for the club this year? Ooh. Not 300th overall, but 300th with the club. 300th with the club. I'm guessing, I'm just thinking about how many years Charlie Cameron's been with us, and I'm thinking it's probably him. Yes, it is. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, yeah, here, here's a, here is a, uh, Here's a, a kind of a negative one though. This okay. 20, this 25 game player had the lowest disposal efficiency percentage for the year at 49.3%. So he played, than, every less than, game. Uh, he played 25 games. So less than half the time he got the ball where it was supposed to go. Oh gosh. I, I don't like to speak negatively of any of our players. So I, 
I can't imagine any of them did that. Um, <laughs> I'm, now I'm trying to think about who would have played every single game for the year. And because, you know, obviously you have occasional injuries in and out. Um, oh, this one's... I mean, my inkling is to go for a Ruckman because they they often mess... You know, they, they, their skills are never quite as sharp by hand or by foot as other players. But uh-huh. I don't think Oscar played every game, so it can't be Oscar. Um, and that's not a knock on Oscar, who's a very skilled Ruckman. They're just but sometimes is, a little bit less coordinated. But it is Oscar. Oh, it is Oscar. It is Oscar. <laughs> there we go. So you mentioned his name. So we're going last... to give you partial credit for that one, okay? <laughs> okay. It, now... Well, it must have been the year before that he uh, that he missed a couple of games then. Yeah. There we go. So which two clubs have the Lions defeated the most times in their history? They're, they've, they're 23 wins and 16 oh. losses against these two clubs. <laughs> that is a very hard question. Um, okay. The most wins. Now, if I'm racking my brain about who I feel like we have a good record over. Um, so if you said 23, that means we must be talking about clubs that were there when the merged entity came in. So it's not going to be Gold Coast or GWS. No, it's not Gold Coast or GWS. Um, so it's not, no, it's not. We've got a pretty – so our record against Sydney's not that good. Our record against West Coast wouldn't be that good. I don't think our record against Port would be that good. Um, if I'm thinking it's probably a Victorian team is at least one of them. Um, and uh, – Hawthorne, we've got oh, they're both Victorian. Okay, there we go. They're both Victorian. <laughs> Hawthorne, we have a, a surprisingly strong record against. So I wouldn't be shocked if it was Hawthorne, but they were so actually it wouldn't be Hawthorne because they were so good for that middle patch that that right, right. There's no way we beat them much for a decade there. So I'll rule them out. Um, it, I don't think follow follow that trip. Collingwood actually. That's one of them. What was that? That's one of them. Collingwood's one of them. I was going to say, yeah. follow that train of thought about the, you know, that having that good patch there. Cause there was a, there was a club that hasn't had a great patch here in recent years until recently. Hasn't had a great patch or has, has not had a great patch. Yes. Okay. Um, is it Carlton? It is. It there is. There we go. Yeah. Collingwood and Carlton. Yeah. That's a pretty yep. good uh, duo to have a, a really strong yes, it is. I was I was surprised <laughs> when I looked at it. I was surprised by that as well. So yeah, okay. um, well we'll take it. I mean the the one that really bugged me, and this goes back to my hatred of Richmond, to be honest, was that in all those years that both us and Richmond were awful, somehow they still seem to beat us yep. every single year for a decade. So and that that's the club that has beaten Melbourne the most or uh, Brisbane the most times. Also, you've only beaten them twelve <laughs> times. They've beaten you twenty five times. Oh, and yes. now you're getting on to why I hate them so much. Yeah. Can't stand the yep. club. <laughs> so um, this player who played in 26 games led the club with an average of 407 meters gained per game last year. How many games did he play? 26. So he played all games. Yep. Um, a lot of meters gained. Well, your f- first inkling is going to be that it's Hugh or Lockie. Um, I can't imagine... Unless Connor McKenna did a lot off half back. Bingo. Um, was it Connor? Yes, it was. There we go. Now, okay. Te- technically, you know, if Daniel Richard played more games, he only played seven games, but he averaged 537 per game. So, yeah. But we yeah, didn't qualify yeah. him. That sounds so, like Richie. Yep. Okay. Two, two more before we wrap up here. Throughout the club's history, 
Have the Lions won more games at Marvel slash Docklands or at the MCG? Oh, that's going to quite comfortably, I think, be Marvel. Yes, it is. 32 wins at Marvel or Docklands and 16 at the MCG, which that number yeah, seems, that seems amazingly a... low. Yeah. That well, is just like, it's, wow. Uh, that's a... We don't get scheduled at the MCG a lot, but the that's been one of the big talking that makes points sense too. the club's MCG. That the MCG hoodoo, all these sorts of things. So, look, that's going to be one to monitor. I think the grand final day put out of anyone's head the idea that we can't play well at the MCG. We just mm-hmm. we just have to be able to win there a bit more often. But we're we're a pretty strong side at Marvel on the whole. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, the last question for you: Who was the oldest player to ever play the game for the Lions? And he was thirty six years old in ninety eight days when he did it. Oh. Okay. And it's a name, it's a name I was definitely, it's a name I knew even before I looked this up. So I, my first leaning was Luke Hodge, but I don't think he was that old when he was still playing at the, the club. I think he, oh, Alistair Lynch. What have I done? Bingo. I've forgotten Alistair It Lynch. is Alistair Lynch. I yes, was going, is. I was racking back, I was going through the errors there. So you could see my mind yep. sort of shuffling yep. from 2015 to 2010. And then I got to the early 2000s. I was 2004. Like, oh, it's yes, it's 2004. Yes. Yep. So, mm. uh, I would say your reputation is intact. <laughs> you did, you did, you know, you I'm not going to even say surprisingly well, you did very well on that. Oh, okay. You so, much. you know, it's, well, uh, look for uh, the last 15 years, to be honest, I've sacrificed a social life to follow this team. So uh-huh. I'm glad to know that it's, that it's, uh, that, it's, paid that, off it, just, that it just paid off. It paid, it paid off in this, this, <laughs> this crazy Americans podcast. So there you go. So you, <laughs> You're going to, you're going to have to share it with everybody now so you can prove it and say, Hey, see, look, all that time I put into this, it just paid off here. There we go. It's worth it. It's worth it. (laughs) So before we go, where can people find the Roar deal? When will it be back? And where can people find you if they want to listen to you on the radio as well? Yeah. Well, look, if you're a a Lions fan or someone just interested in, in, talk about the lines potentially um the the raw deal is uh honestly it's so much fun mike whiting and i at the moment we meet on a monday afternoon in my basement and sit down and chat for a good hour hour and a half about all things lions and um if you whatever podcasting app you're using apple spotify whatever if you search for the raw deal that's r-o-a-r deal you'll find us there and We've got some exciting plans for this year. We, we had 300 Lions diehards in a pub in Fitzroy in grand final week for a live podcast with Jonathan Brown and Ash McGrath. Wow. And, uh, and that's sort of given us a, a boost to think we should do more things like that. So we're trying to set up a season preview live podcast with the coach, with Chris Fagan. So follow me, Dom Fay, on, on Twitter or on X or on Instagram if you want to uh, – see for first tickets to, to that when they do go up, assuming we get it over the line. I think we've got to get a yes from, from Fags first. So that hasn't fully gotten over the line, um, by which I mean, I don't think we've asked him yet, but we're fingers crossed we can make it up. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and yeah, so jump into the Roy deal. We'll be back uh, probably the last week of January on, mon- on the Monday afternoon, whenever that week is, um, or the first week of February. One of those now, two weeks. Here's the question. Will you still be in the U.S. then, or will you be back home? Are you Are you close to yeah. heading back home? Yes, I head back home tomorrow. So oh, this is the very okay. end of my um the very end of my I left okay. on Christmas Eve. I did Canada, I did a bit of the UK, Switzerland, I popped over the far over there, and then I've wow. done the US in the last couple of weeks. So, so it's been a big trip and uh and I'm um I've loved it, but I'm looking forward to getting home and getting back into another season. What was the what was the most 
what was the most interesting thing that you did while you were on this trip? And what was the thing that you went, I can't believe I came here. This was a waste of time. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, oh, that's a really good question. There's been a number of highlights. The main purpose of the trip, um, I, I do some other stuff exploring, as I mentioned earlier, philosophy, spirituality, and the meaning of life sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I came over here to interview some of my favorite authors and speakers in that space. And so um, I've just spent the day with uh, an author called Rob Bell up in Ojai in California today. And uh, he's been a, a, his understanding of what it is to be human. I've loved for, for a number of years. And so getting to spend some time with him was awesome. And and a number of them, Pete Rowland's a philosopher I saw in Belfast. Um, We caught up and spoke about uh, the joy of, not getting what you want um, and actually hmm. touched on the football teams and how when your football team loses, it's not the worst thing in the world because when they keep winning, it actually can get a bit boring, which was a fascinating philosophical insight. But um, anyway, so that's been a big function of the trip in terms of what I've seen in t- naturally. Banff was incredible. Um, you know, my wife, went, my wife went there last summer. Yes. Yeah. That, that whole part of the world was just extraordinary. Switzerland was such a unique culture Mm-hmm. And uh, and then New York, uh, I would say, uh, had the best gluten-free food I have ever come across in my whole time as a celiac. Um, okay. Eight or nine specialty celiac restaurants everywhere, like on every corner just about. So I uh, I ate better than I've eaten in, in a decade in my uh, my four okay. nights in New York. So got to see Stephen Colbert's show live, got to see some great theatre at Broadway and West End. And uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a wild trip. Awesome, it's been good. awesome. And I don't think there's... It hasn't been good, so it's been okay. Now, I I was looking at your one of your websites for the Zach and Dom show, and I did want to say that you know when I when I do come to Australia in July, I do want to get to Bunnings for a sausage sizzle. I want to go to one. I keep hearing (laughs) about them, and I also I also want to go shopping for floor tiles with Frank Walker while I'm there as well. I don't know if I can buy any, but I I would love to. I would love (laughs) to go shopping for them with him. You know, and there's an episode there's an episode from a while back where I tried doing a a very bad hello frank walker from <laughs> national tiles <laughs> it's not too bad it's a it's a decent <laughs> effort to be honest and frank i think would be over the moon that his legacy has made it to the u.s oh it's it's uh it's a lot of fun because you know, yeah i hear the commercials you know if i especially if i'm not watching the games in the morning i'll, I'll be out walking because you know, the games are in yep. the middle of the night and in the early morning here so i'll be out walking my dog at five o'clock in the morning and listening to the, you know, commercials at halftime and such, and he'll come on there and, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. Frank's an institution of yes, he Australian is. media yes, for he the is. last couple of decades. So, yep. Yeah. Well, Hey Dom, I hope you enjoy your dinner. I hope you have an absolutely safe flight home tomorrow as well. And you get some rest and get back at it and uh, look forward to seeing uh, what happens this year. I, I, I fully expect Brisbane to be a top four side this year. Not so much these guys, I don't think. Well, they're over here. Not so much these guys this year. I think I think we've got a little bit of rebuilding to do. Dad's army has some work to do before they're gonna be back there again. Um you never know they, though. Geelong Geelong surprise you. They keep popping up. You know, I, I think 2022, I think that's a safe thing to say because I don't think a lot of people I didn't pick them there. I mean, last year I think yeah. I picked them, I picked them to finish eighth last year. And they, of course yeah, they didn't. Right, right. Of, course, of course, I didn't even pick Collingwood in the finals last year. Yeah, I didn't sure, even I sure. didn't even have Collingwood it's, in the eight. 
I always say this is a great time of year to make bold projections about the year ahead because uh-huh. no one remembers it if you're wrong and if you're right. So, for example, I could say right now, I think Adelaide yeah. are going to make the grand final. Yeah. And if I'm wrong, no one will remember that I said that. If I'm right, I can go and find this audio and I'll look exactly. like a genius. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'll i tell you off air who I think is not going to make the eight and who I think is going to make the eight. Okay, but okay. Uh, I have I have a very bold prediction about that. So, are you saving that for another episode? Oh yes, it will. Yes, it will. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, wonderful. Well, especially the one that won't make an eight because the person I plan on having on, I don't think will want to do the interview then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. clearly you've got the lines in the eight. That's what matters. I, oh, I I think I'm going to have them in the top three probably. But yeah, well, hey folks, cool. happy with that. My my guest has been Dom Fay from the Roar Deal and uh, from from Kiss FM. Uh, you can find all of those uh, in my show notes. I'll link to all of those there. Dom, I, like I said, I appreciate you coming on today, sir. This was absolutely very generous of you. Uh, just getting settled into your hotel room, um, and uh, go have a wonderful dinner here on your last day. And uh, I would strongly suggest do not leave anything in your car. When you go to dinner, leave it in your hotel room, because if you leave it in the car, you will not have a window in the car. When you come back, you're in California, sir. Windows are made to be broken there. Uh, yeah, no, fair enough. Well, be thank safe. you so much. It's been, it's been an honor to be on the podcast and uh, you can have me back on when we've won the flag. I'll reflect on a premiership. I, with I you. will absolutely get you back on then. Hopefully you and Michael then together. Yes, let's do All that. Right. That'd be wonderful. All right. Cheers. Thank you so much. All right. Hey, Dom, I appreciate you taking time out of your uh, your busy schedule. I know you are crisscrossing the United States right now, and hopefully you got settled in. Uh, it was a great chat. Really, really enjoyed it, sir. Remember, folks, you can find everything related to my podcast over at my website, yankonthefooty.com. You can find links to all my socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, X, I should say, uh, LinkedIn. You want to help out the show, you can certainly do that with the Buy Me a Coffee page or my Redbubble store page. I've got a few new things that are going to be coming there very soon as well. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review. Love a five-star. That'd be great. Subscribe over on my website uh, on YouTube as well. Search out my name, Craig Wessels. And uh, also, if you'd subscribe there as well, when new episodes come out, they'll be in your inbox within about 60 seconds of when they're released because I would love you to check it out and love you to listen to it again. Now, folks, I appreciate uh, you checking out the podcast. Um, this, as you know, has been a labor of love of mine. I've been doing this now since 2019. So this is year number six for me, if I'm not mistaken, if the math is correct there. Uh, I have no intention of giving it up anytime soon. I'm absolutely enjoying doing this and love getting back into the swing of it. Uh, I was but busy, busy um, end of 2023. So I did not put out as many episodes as I would have liked to. Uh, the ones I did put out, I, I'm hoping you enjoyed. I did a re-release of what is still my... I think my most important interview that I did, uh, I have a couple favorites that I'm also going to intermix and sprinkle in with these preview episodes as well. Uh, if you haven't listened to my interviews with Barry Cheatley, just an absolute gentleman, um, just wonderful stories. And also if you, uh, want to go back and listen to a, a gentleman who's not a footy player, but to me, he's an Australian hero. Uh, it's a gentleman by the name of Orville Gibson. And I've had Orville on the podcast a couple of times. I spoke, I speak to Orville every week. I talk to him every single week and uh, we're in discussion about whether or not he's going to make the trip down to Victoria from uh, Queensland. Um, when I come over in July, we'll see how that works into his schedule. But ladies and gentlemen, 
again, I appreciate the kind words and uh, I do hope you'll share the podcast. And as always, may your dribble kick never, ever hit that post. I will catch you later. And this has been episode 299 of the podcast, The Yank on the Footy. You can find everything at my website, yankonthefooty.com. Check out the socials there. Give me a follow. And uh, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, goodbye.